Ever wondered how to bring the magic of nature play into your child's education? Or how to say goodbye to your worries about snakes and ticks? Well, with Nature Play Now, crafting an epic outdoor program is easier than you think. You'll boost your confidence, skill sets, and have parents eager to enroll. Join the adventure for just $57 exclusively for Raising Wildlings listeners. Visit our Raising Wildlings website for more details today. If someone asks you about your role as a mother, you may be quick to say it's the most rewarding experience of your life, right? But is it? Do you always feel that way? Today, we explore the idea of maternal ambivalence with Dr. Margot Lowy. Welcome to Raising Wildlings, a podcast about parenting, alternative education, and stepping into the wilderness, however that looks, with your family. Each week, we'll be interviewing experts that truly inspire us to answer your parenting and education questions. We'll also be sharing stories from some incredible families that took the leap and are taking the road less travelled. We're your hosts, Vicky and Nikki from Wildlings Forest School. Pop in your headphones, settle in and join us on this next adventure. Hello and welcome to the Raising Wildlings podcast. I'm your host today, Vicky Oliver. I'd like to acknowledge the Gubby Gubby and Cubby Cubby people who are the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded. Now, before we start today, I just wanted to personally thank all of our listeners for the beautiful words and reviews that we've received so far for our little podcast. And every time you post a quote or your aha moments, it just really affirms the work that we're doing and our drive to touch on all the topics that help us to advocate for your families. So on that note, if you would like to leave a review or share the podcast on your Insta stories or subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice, that will really help us get this message into more people's ears. On the show today, we have Dr. Margot Lowy, who is a psychotherapist with a really special interest in mothering and women's reproductive health. She completed her PhD and research master's in the fields of maternal ambivalence and infertility. She completed her doctorate in 2017, which was titled Maternal Experience, Encounters with Ambivalence and Love. And she's also followed that with a book of the same name, which was released late last year. So what Dr. Lowy is really doing is disrupting the accepted maternal discourse by insisting that uncomfortable feelings, including hatred, are really an inescapable part of most mother's experiences. And it actually fuels her love for her child. So I can't wait to chat with Dr. Margot about this often very sensitive topic. Dr. Margot, thank you so much for being with us on the podcast today. How are you? Good. Thank you very much. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you. You know, the interesting thing is I didn't actually have much of an idea of what maternal ambivalence was until I looked it up. And it's something that I'm starting to see in conversations a little bit more, but I'd love for you to explain it for our listeners about what it is, and I'm sure so many will will resonate. Okay. I think the first thing I want to say about that is most people actually don't know what what ambivalence or what maternal ambivalence Mm. is. So you're not alone, and a lot of people get very confused with ambivalence and indifference. So Let me start there. Ambivalence is when the person can integrate or bring together all their feelings. 
So there may be the feelings that of good or not good and sadness and happiness or also love and hate. That's mm-hmm. when someone can bring bring them in, think about them, and it's just a whole whole feeling. Yeah. Whereas indifference is where you cut off from your feelings. So really what, what ambivalence is about is actually about connection, connecting your feelings to yourself, even if they're very different and varied. Mm. Yes, I can imagine. I mean, because motherhood is such a juxtaposition of so many feelings and is. And, and also I get caught by surprise sometimes about what you're feeling and how you could feel those things towards someone who you love more than anything you could possibly love on this earth. Well, I think you've actually put my what my work is in exact words. Thank you very much. that's very because I think once people can think about it and there's an example or you can relate it to real life people can really get it if I go back to my definition of maternal ambivalence it's actually that mothers have loving feelings and momentary hating feelings Mm. towards her child and that these moments of hate actually fuel or strengthen their love. Yeah, that's a really interesting way of looking at it, isn't it? Because I think there's probably a lot of shame in feeling these feelings and and not something that women are really willing to talk about, say, in a mother's group or even now I find it a little bit difficult to talk about the struggles that we have or the feel not not so much the struggles, but the feelings behind the struggles that we have. The true feelings. Yeah, well this you've you've done it again. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Mo- mothers do feel very ashamed, very guilty within, I think it's within themselves. Mm. And it's also that you've been brought up not to really, to really push those feelings away or to deny them. And how I see these feelings is very valuable and they help you with your mothering. Whereas if you cut them off, you, in a sense, you cut off a part of yourself. Yeah. And not only that, I'm a firm believer that children really know what's going on. They're really receptive. Yeah, they are. And if something's not right, if something's not right with mum or why isn't she tuned in? Why there's something, they, they will pick it up. So yeah. if, say um, you're angry with your child and you, but you don't want to engage with those feelings and you cut them off. I believe the child picks it up and knows, and then they're in a situation, well, what's going on? I don't yeah. understand. Yeah, because we're models for our children, and so we want them to see how to process these. And that's, I guess that's what some of the, the big issues that we're starting to see now are stemming right back towards on both sides of, you know, gender is how we express our emotions and what seems to be socially acceptable ways of expressing certain emotions for women and also men. Yes, and being a model for actually being authentic in that. And I know that, you know, even when, say, me and my husband are arguing and, we, you know, it's been like, oh, we shouldn't do this in front of the kids. And I'm like, well, some of the conversation shouldn't happen in front of the children, but also they do need to see healthy conflict resolution or healthy ways in which we, we're not always, it's not always sunshine and daisies and that the people that we love also help us experience full range of emotions that's exactly what I'm getting at it's and 
what you might be talking about is being real, not, not being pretend because it, kids will pick up the pretend. We all know when, when there's a pretense. Yeah. That, that can be problematic because they know. They do. They're so perceptive. All right. So um, there's, look, a lot of social and personal expectations surrounding mothers and motherhood. Yes. What are some of the impacts that you've seen uh, on, around these expectations and are they realistic? Okay, well, there's something that I refer to that other people refer to called the maternal ideal. And that's like expectations and pressures about what mothers should, in inverted commas, be. I don't like the word should because whenever whenever I say to the word, I go to say the word should, it makes me think because that's actually an expectation, which I think that's that has really helped me in my work and in my life. So I really think about or I avoid I avoid using should and when yeah. someone around me says should it just I think a little bit about about what they're saying so back to mothers there's a huge expectation about mothers and I think it's based on a mother being fully caring about one's child being selfless and just being measured and you know a whole lot of myths about mothering that mothers kind of feel that they need to abide to and there's there's something I refer to it as a bar there's like a high bar that mothers try to achieve and it's not achievable so and they think it's it's within themselves and within society that they think that they need to get to this so of course it when they don't it erodes their self-confidence yeah and I don't think there's enough thought about how in mothering how one learns to be a mother or how one learns to mother is by making a mistake mm. and failing and fixing it up and repairing. And then the next time you may not make that mistake, you might make another one, but you might be more thoughtful about that one. So mothering is actually, I see it as a process of mending your failures. Mm. And I really like that. Yeah. So that's that's really, and it's also one of the other things about mothering is it needs to be fluid and flowing. I think that's when mothering is at its, um, at a, I don't want to say best because I'm, I don't want to use that word, but mothering no. is um, healthy, maybe yeah. healthy. Or, and, and whereas what, what expectations do is they, it, it ruins or paralyzes that flow. So suddenly you're not flowing anymore. You're rigid and you're not, really relating in the way that is best. Yeah, I have to agree with that. And it's all about that connection and re- remembering that we're not perfect and we don't want our children to see us as perfect anyway because we don't want to perpetuate that cycle that they then have to become, like that their expectations of being a mother yes. are taken you know, forward if they take on that role further down in life as well. Hey, it's Nikki here interrupting this episode to quickly say if you're like us and feeling torn between your career as an educator versus your beliefs for child development, then we've created a five-step e-guide to unlock your purpose without compromising your values. This treasure map is completely free, takes just 10 minutes and is available from our Raising Wildlings website. So why not dive in and see how you go? Okay, now back to the episode.
And you've actually um, pointed to something else, which is perfection is just, first of all, it's not achievable. And, and secondly, it's just not healthy. But mm. what, what I'm trying to work with now is an, a sense that a mother is enough. Yeah. It's not perfect that, that she feels that she's enough for herself, for her family, for her children. And that's like a, um, enough, enough of the time. So yeah. it, it goes up and down. But it can, it's just a way to think about mothering. But sometimes, sometimes it's really, really hard. And sometimes it's not so hard. And sometimes it just flows. But in, overall, if a mother can feel that she's enough, I think she's doing pretty well. Yeah. Do you have any, um, what would you say are probably the biggest expectations that women are struggling with? I suppose one of the biggest ones is how to balance work life with bringing up children. I think that's mm. a really topical, difficult one. And, and changing changing the um, that mindset that you can, uh, different mindsets that mothers can work and can be at home mm. and, and really being a bit more fluid about how that's, how that's done because we all know the figures, the women that work outside the home or inside the home these days, they're still mm. expected or they expect themselves to do a lot of the, the home duties. So how do we get around that? Yeah. And then, of course, and I know I know that um, COVID's been, it's been overdone, but, but I think with COVID, the expectations for mothers, Australia did pretty well, but in other countries overseas, when there were mother, you know, suddenly at home, the children... Yeah weren't at school or weren't at kindergarten and the mothers had to do the Zoom, plus they were trying to work, plus yeah. there were a lot of people in a smaller space and then they, they didn't have their usual people that can help them, whether they were whether it was daycare or kindy or their own families. So it just, it almost exaggerated to such a, and pressurised the mothers to such a unbelievably pressured environment that um, mothers would have been probably a, very much aware of, of how difficult mothering is. That's right. And then because of the pressure cooker of it all, you end up feeling probably a lot more of those feelings that are less desirable and that connections eroded a little bit more because yes. it, it's a lot harder yes. to stay connected when you're having to deal with all that pressure. Yes, yes. And as well as that, I think there was a, an absolute concern is someone is going to get sick and how is that It's kind of in the background all the time? If someone gets sick, how do we do this? Or, yeah. It was, it was a really, really, um, I suppose, it was became very transparent, the pressure on the mother during, yeah. during that time. Well, I was having a conversation with a educator in the UK and they're still under very strict lockdowns and the onus of taking on board whenever, you know, lockdown comes in again, like all around the world, there's all different variations of this, but every time that that happens and the onus is generally, not always, but on the women to take, you know, have to, having to change everything within their, their lives to accommodate for really sudden changes and then also having to shoulder the burden of helping our children through that, through, through understanding and, and comprehending and synthesising what's going on in the world around them as well. And that's something we often haven't really addressed as well 
which I think is, um, yeah, definitely definitely something that I'm hearing a lot more conversations about, which is nice, but it definitely, I'd love for more women to be able to hear that they're not alone and that we're in this together. And um, let's let's talk then a little bit about some of the myths of mothering. Are there some in particular, and I think because being a mother is such a life-changing experience and life-changing in a way that can be absolutely amazing. Like for me, I find I found that mother being a becoming a mother was it actually helped me to find or to just I think it made me help help me to decide what kind of person I wanted to be. It made it made me really stop sitting on the fence on so many things and and really take notice. Uh, but a lot of women have found that that's the opposite. So it is such a transformative experience either way you go. But what's, what are some of those really big myths that often come with mothering that we really need to, to bust? Okay. Well, I think one, one of the myths is what we talked about before is perfection mm. and needing to be finding how you one can be enough. I think that I, I just want to go to a, like a bit of a story which is helpful for this. When you're pregnant, and you're ready to have the baby, often people have a birth plan. Mm. Well, we can that's kind of like a life plan, but anyway, a birth plan for the baby and or the birth. And we all know that one can have a birth plan, but it's not necessarily going to go to going to go to plan. So I suppose one of the myths is that you can have a birth plan or a life plan and that it's going to work. Mm. That, that's, I think that's a real myth. And I think the reason I'm using this example is that it just shows so well that what happens, that you there are these perhaps social expectations that mothers need a birth plan, for example, and then what happens when they get into the labour ward and it doesn't, it doesn't work or they're at home or if something doesn't work. And so then they have to adjust that. But they were so adhered to this birth plan and then... It unravels. So then how do they manage it? And this is where the fluidity comes in. So really, it's really the same as having a life plan about how you think what one's child will be. Well, as you say, they continually surprise us and shock us. So that's, that's I suppose, the myth that one's child needs to be this way or that way. We need to be flexible. Yeah, and, and then we often don't, I guess, to prior to when you're pregnant, the conversation about that fourth trimester mm. and those expectations about mm. being a new mother and, mm. and your baby, the expectations on your baby. Yes. And also that if your baby doesn't behave in the way that you think that everyone is expecting it to, that it's somehow then your fault. Yes. And there's something wrong with you and yeah. or your child, which is devastating. Mm-hmm. So, so really the thing about the, the maternal ideal is, how I like to talk about it is the ideals are there kind of to guide, but we need to think about them. We need to challenge them. Well, actually, first, we need to be aware of them and think about them and question them and challenge whether they're right for for oneself. I mean, there's the example of the toddler in the supermarket having a tantrum yeah. and what people think about it. And really, you know, how strong do we have to be to ignore that? to ignore what other people think and what a struggle it is. But that's an example of the, of the ideal. And then a woman might walk past and say, very badly behaved child or what kind of a mother are you? Mm-hmm. 
it's like having the strength and the presence to to know in yourself that you're enough. So it, yeah. keeps, it keeps coming back to that. And that the world outside is sometimes not on one side and not to re- really take in what what everyone else says. Yeah. We have to give ourselves grace. And I have this conversation with my, my girls are nine and six at the moment and we we having lots of conversations about giving people grace and, and just going into life and situations, having a think about the fact that we don't know what anyone is experiencing in any single moment. So we might walk past a mother in the supermarket and their child's having a huge big meltdown. And depending on whatever's happening in that person's life, they might nail it. They might absolutely nail that situation with their child and connect and do all the things that we know will help in that situation. And it could be a completely separate day where things in life are not (laughs) lining up so that it's an easy, easy time to manage those emotions. And we do the complete opposite. And it can be the same person in the same situation. And we deal with it in two different ways because life throws at us so many different things. And we're not always in the emotional, we don't always have the emotional capacity to do the right thing, whatever that might be. Whatever that is. Where is it written that a mother has to be on best behavior at Mm -hmm. all times? Yeah. I find that really hard. Actually, that's I, I find it being I find it harder to be the mother I want to be in public. I'm, I find that I'm better in on closed doors than I am in public sometimes. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I'm still under undo, undoing my social conditioning about that. Yes. Was everyone thinking of me in this moment? That's, uh, that's, that's right. That's why it's a very. It's not only we can't only say it's society. It's really how we engage and think about the expectations of society and how we move, uh, you know, on from them and question them. Mm. That's right. I have more of these conversations. Yeah. While you were talking, I was, I had a really, uh, I think that you said something else that was very insightful for me. Well, you didn't say it, but when you were talking about, you know, sometimes you nail it and sometimes you don't. And when, not you, one, and when one doesn't nail it and one really is really not happy with oneself, then these are the feelings of, of ambivalence that I'm talking about. Mm. Because in these situations, we might have a, a momentary hateful, hateful feeling and then we're filled with something else, whether it's compassion for our child, whether it's shame, mm. whether it's guilt, and then that kind of fuels and strengthens our love. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's what I've seen and that's been my experience. Yeah, I, I really like that reframing because I, I think that in any opportunity that we have to give ourselves permission to be completely human and to be okay with failure, and this is something that we talk about a lot in forest schooling as well, and, but it has to start young, is, is being okay with failure because so many of us have been trained not to be okay with that. Yes. That yes. It is really not acceptable to do things imperfectly or or wrong mm. or mm. and because there's people around there judging you everywhere yes yes and that is so tough and it is I think that something about mothering makes it I won't say the toughest but it makes it very very tough mm. we have as you said we have these inbuilt expectations of ourselves and we really I I believe that all mothers do the best they can I do too and and when we don't, we need to be able to we need to be able to 
forgive ourselves and our children and we need to learn from that and move on. And yeah. most mothers do that. And maybe if we were, maybe if it was, you see, what I want to do in my work is have a conversation and name, name these kind of experiences. So, you know, mothers and not only mothers, fathers and everyone mm. kind of says, yeah, that's right. I get that. Yeah. Because if people get it, then they put it into their, their way of being. Yeah. I find these conversations something that I have with my friendship group quite a fair bit and what I love about it is that that shared experience so that everyone can be like I feel you I feel that deep we often say I feel it deeply in my bones um Mm. about different experiences and then we can also share things that have helped us so in a really non-judgmental way and being like yep I was there and then when I found the next time that I did that this was really great. And so we can have that conversation in a really non-judgmental way, but in a shared experience way. So it's not like I'm on my heart horse saying, well, if I was in that situation, I would have done it like this. It's more like, you know, it was an experiment too. We're all experimenting. And when I, when I did this thing, it was like, it just worked so well. And I'm really hoping that I can draw upon that. And that's part of my toolkit now in those moments when I need it. But I give myself grace because there's probably plenty of times when that's not going to happen either. Yep. Yeah, it's that's exactly what I'm what I'm talking about. Mm. I find it actually very interesting in from my actual personal perspective because I actually found that I thought I really nailed parenting for my kids when they were really little. So I found parenting them as toddlers easy and I could understand that they were really young and they didn't understand. I'm actually finding myself having these little these moments of ambivalence like probably more now that they're a little bit older and my expectations of them. Mhm are a little bit higher. So I actually find it a lot harder now. Well, I, I think it, it can be challenging. And also they've got a different voice now. Yeah. And, and you know, I think that when 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 there's a toddler or a, or a newborn, they absolutely, you're their world. But mm. now your girls are starting to go out into the outside world and they're starting to question and how healthy is that? But it Yeah, makes that's it, what I love that. <laughs> but it's, it it's hard. <laughs> I mean, for every every single time I have a, a challenging conversation, I think to myself, "This is really hard now, but this will serve them in the long run." No, it's absolutely. It's to keep the conversations going and and hearing their voices and seeing what they've got to contribute to it because they contribute plenty. They really do, and I learn so much from just watching their little perspectives of the, of the world. And also, I learn a lot about myself when I hear what I'm trying to teach them come out in their own interpretation of that. So I learn a lot about, you know, how I need to communicate things and, and be clear with my messaging and also be very wary of my nonverbal yeah. communication yeah. and the messages yeah. I send them through the things that I do, my relationships with other people. And, and I love that we can have these conversations and, and bring that more to the forefront because um, it's helpful. It's amazing. Mm, absolutely. When you were saying that, I was also thinking about how we give messages, how they take the message and apply it to something totally different. But we know that we know they've got the message, and how wonderful that is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because they they do interpret things just because they've got their own experiences and sure. Yeah, the the way that they're going about in the world is 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 so much different to the way that I just have, I feel like there's. We live in a day and age where there's just, I'm learning so much about humans 
And mm-hmm. I find it fascinating. And I want I want the girls to know so much of this stuff so that they're not sort of figuring it out later in life. Mm-hmm. And um, I get I get quite excited for young girls today and how much more equipped they might be. And maybe we can, and maybe that's part of, I think, modern day parenting is that because we don't, we often do it alone. Yeah. There's so many mothers that don't have those support networks that where they can have these conversations. Do you have any advice about, about that and about women finding connection? Well, I mean, I think that support is, is, is so important. If the woman has a, a supportive other, whether it's a partner, that's, that's wonderful. I think as long as they have someone that can hear them in a non-judgmental way, which is what you were saying, and whether, mm. it's, a, whether it's a one-on-one, whether it's a group, you really said it when you said when you're talking about the group that you have and that you've got people to talk to that don't judge. That really is the most important. Not mm. not not to feel judged. You see, today there's also another thing coming in, which is the social media. I mean, you've got two little girls, and it's hard because they're going to grow up, and you can't kind of. It just exists. So, yeah. and a lot of the social media is very split. It's either. The mother is wonderful and how wonderful it is. Well, that's not true, but how mm. wonderful. You, you see a photo of her, uh, you know, she's dressed and with her beautifully dressed children at nine o'clock in the morning. Well, no. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't you can't help looking at these and thinking, well, what's wrong with me? Yeah. And then you get the other, yeah. And then you get the other side where it's so terrible. So I think that this is actually a good example of what I'm saying because it has to be both and one needs to think about all these sides, which goes back to the really the maternal ambivalence or the ambivalence and trying to, being able to, to um, consider all sides. Mm, yeah, I think it's a very important thing for us. Uh, and and if, I guess if you know, like having this conversation with your friends and, and being honest about y- mm-hmm. your feelings and, and knowing that you really aren't alone. And if yes. so, if you, I guess if you do talk to someone who, maybe denies that they have these feelings that yeah. that isn't a, a reflection that you yes. that there's something wrong with you that maybe well some people do have a little bit of work to do in being honest with themselves as well because it's scary yeah, yeah definitely definitely mm. but I think you're right in that the mothers do feel alone mm. I mean no matter how well supported you are and how your life seems to be going smoothly it can be a lonely or it is a lonely, solitary experience. Mm. If, for example, you're awake at night worrying about something, that's that's lonely. Yeah. Trying to figure out something about your child or, you know, and that's, we have a lot of responsibility as mothers. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. We do we do shoulder a lot of that responsibility and and when it, we don't want it to go wrong. We don't want to, you know. No, we don't, but it, often it does. And it so, does. Yeah. It's not the <laughs> end of the world. <laughs> well, that, that's the thing. It's like, you know, one of the things I learned in later years is that sense of things will be okay. They will work out the way they work out. It mightn't be, probably won't be the way that I thought it would work out. But mm. in fact, usually it does work out. And yeah, that's really being able to embrace that and not fight with that mm. is difficult, but it's like a life lesson. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Sit with those feelings. Like, you know, it's like, like they say, sit with those feelings of discomfort, try, yeah. not trying to push them down or to. Right. 
let's you know that's disconnect right. from them. That's right, and that's exactly what I'm trying to say. That we have the, all these the difficult, troublesome feelings have we have to respect them, and they've got so much in them mm. that we can learn from. Yeah, to one of those, no emotion is a negative or positive. We we often see them as more negative, and we feel the ones that we label as negative more intensely and they stay with us for longer, but that doesn't mean they're not valid or that we shouldn't be experiencing them. Just have to feel better about being in those moments. Yeah. And, and not, and I think not judge oneself Mm. and not a lot of self-compassion. Yeah. Mm. Oh, Margo, thank you so much for being with us today. I've just got a couple of rapid fire questions that we ask all of our guests on here. So um, the first one being, what's your number one book recommendation right now? At the moment, I read Love in the Time of Cholera, oh. which was, it's, it's, it's an older book, but the, the writing was fantastic. The characters were fantastic. And I, I really enjoyed it. Actually, after I finished reading it, I thought, how can I read another, how can I pick up another book after I've read this? But it really, it's, 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 it's re- it was really a wonderful book. Not so easy to read at times, but, but it was wonderful, wonderful experience. I love getting book recommendations and it's especially, it's, it's a fiction book. Yeah. 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 Although it was probably, I'm sure it was drawn on the author's experience somewhere, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Uh, when you have a bit of a tough day or you need to relax and unwind, what's your, where's your go-to place or thing to do? I think that I like to get outside, mm. have a walk, often with maybe some music or um, maybe a, podcast that I like, the mixture of being outside and giving myself, even though I'm listening to something, it kind of frees my mind up a little bit. Yeah. And it lets, it lets me go to other places. So that's really what kind of works for me. Brilliant. Now this one, um, you can answer this in any way that suits you, but if you could change one thing about our current education system, what do you think that might be? Okay. I've got quite a few things about thoughts about the education system. I don't mm. think I can fix it. But one of the one of the things that really concerns me is how teach that teachers aren't aren't elevated enough for the mm. job they do. I don't think they're paid enough. I, I believe if they were paid enough and they were valued more, then more more suitable people would go into teaching. Because I think basically teaching is is they've got our children. Our most important resource in this earth is our children. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think that it's the teachers. I think we have to value them more, and I think that um, that's really what it is. They have to be they have to be valued more, and yeah. I'd have listen to, agree to more. With and we, yeah, that's that's what I think. Oh, thank you so much. That's what I like. Yeah. horses. <laughs> yeah. No, I think always it's always fascinating to listen to people's ideas on what we could be doing and, and what's at the heart of where our children spend most of their time. So I think it's it's a really important question to ask. Um, we're so grateful that there's people like you, Margo, out there to help mothers uh, who are, you know, grappling with these feelings. Um, so what ways can women get in touch with you and find out more information about what you have to offer? They can go on my website. They can um, put in Dr. Margo Lowy and it will come out. And that I've also I have written one book. Mm, I've got an Instagram and um, a Facebook. All this new, all this new technology. <laughs> I'm going to be writing another book, which ha- will have more examples 
Excellent. So I'll be writing that in the next couple of years. And on my Facebook and my Instagram, I'll be, uh, they'll, they'll be kept up to date with how that's going. Well, I think that that book will be something that a lot of women will be interested to read, uh, your first book and then subsequent one as well, because um, I, I definitely think a lot of women need to feel a little bit more validated in mm, these feelings. Mm, so thank you and, so much. Yes, yeah, sorry. And, and as you say, feel to, to normalise. Mothers need to feel normalised that everyone has these feelings and we're like, you know, everyone has it. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It was wonderful to speak to you. And I've got to say that you really have an understanding of what I'm talking about. So thank you very much. Oh, you're most welcome. I I just, I care deeply about children and, and mothers and just hope that what we share on and having brilliant guests on like yourself really helps to highlight our way in the world. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks I so have much. too. Thank you, Margot. So today we've really talked about normalising the full range of emotions that we may feel in our role as parents and motherhood in particular. However, if you are feeling that your struggles with parenting are overwhelming, are you feeling anxiety, depression, extended periods of sadness, I just want you to know that there are services out there that you can get in touch with, things like Beyond Blue. I also wanted to mention that you can actually reach out to your GP and ask for a mental health care plan. So not many people know that this is a Medicare rebatable service that is offered. So you discuss this plan with your doctor and then you might have access to eligible allied health professionals like psychologists or social workers or even occupational therapists that may be able to help improve the way that you're feeling or give you some strategies to um, to cope with what you might be experiencing at the time. You actually can be entitled to up to 20 individual sessions or group appointments with say like a psychologist. So please make sure that you know that there are services that you can access. If you are looking for some ways to foster connection with your child, you can also head to, to our website to the free downloadable section at wildlingsforestschool.com and maybe do something like some animal yoga together. That might really help with uh, your, yours and your children's mental health if you're having a bit of a hectic time uh, like I have been having this week. Um, we've also got some other great resources that we've created for you. So why not take a little look? So that's at wildlingsforestschool.com forward slash free dash downloadables. And as always, we really love doing this journey with you. So until next time, stay wild. If you enjoyed this episode of Raising Wildlings, then we invite you to check out Your Wild Business, our signature business course for education change makers who are ready to create or refine their own nature play businesses. Your Wild Business is the only program that focuses on the business side of nature play with sustainable practices, processes, and systems that will cut down your admin work, giving you more time to focus on building a business that is centered around your educational philosophies whilst working around the current legislation and red tape. And you'll become a part of our wonderful community of other education change makers leaping forward into the big, wide world of business. We'd love for you to be a part of it. So why not come and check out Your Wild Business on the Raising Wildlings website today?